Welcome to Alchemy Answers, episode 69. We have made it all the way to the peak of our podcast. We have done 68 episodes. This is number 69. We have answered how many questions by now? Probably at least like, probably close to a thousand, if not more. It's getting there. Um, So thank you to all of our patrons for the continued great questions i think that our questions are getting better and better every single week which is really cool and to thank you guys for doing that uh we are going to be adding a new uh benefit for every single patreon role so if you are a patron this will be a new benefit every single month which is that we are going to be doing an unlisted sort of like private patreon stream once a month where you guys can tune in. We'll give you an unlisted stream link. And you can choose. We're going to be duo queuing. Me and Jenkins probably playing in the off lane. And you guys get to choose what our hero combo is and who plays what heroes. So if you want to make Jenkins play techies, if you want to make me play Meepo, you'll probably be able to do that. It's going to be ugly. It's probably going to be hilarious. You're going to see some tilt, but you guys will all get to do that at our expense and not yours. So just wanted to thank you guys for sticking with us and supporting Dota Alchemy uh, with this new Patreon benefit. And like I said, it's for any tier. So whether you're a three up to $24 tier patron, uh, we appreciate your support. And this is our small way of giving you guys a little bit extra value. Well, technically, it is at their expense. That's it, true. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just also on ours. It's uh, uh, true. It's, true. It's it's gonna, mutual it's annihilation is what we strive for. Right. We're gonna, we're gonna have some sort of voting, voting system in there. I think people can put in their, yep. their memes, and we'll, we'll vote for the, for the best meme. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's start the old questions. So first, we have Eleanor, who says mid-related question. What do you think are the better mid laners when the enemy team has last pick advantage? Speaking of good questions, Donnie, this is a very good question. Uh, for me, it's Lena, Puck, OD, and Razor. What do you think about this subject? So, so the, I, I like these to, are the heroes like the that you want to pick if you're going to get counterpicked 100%. Yes, you know the enemy team has last pick, and there's going to be some Timbersaw, some Huskar, some Meepo. These bullshit heroes are going to be coming out um hmm. i mean i definitely like the ideas of of both puck and lena those are pretty pretty safe picks they don't have to carry the game hopefully you have a carry that will be able to do that uh, i think I, lena's better i i feel yeah. like puck is puck is more counterable by like a ta or a huskar would destroy puck sure a lena lena there's like nothing that there's nothing that really deals with Alina. How do, you feel, how do you feel about a, uh, a ninth pick Huskar? I feel like there aren't a whole lot of things that will just straight up own you in lane. Kunkka seems re- relatively good um, just because he's easy to recover with, even against an OD, just farm I mean, juggle if, sacks. If you're good at Huskar, sure. I, I would say I would say that for me, the second, the, the whenever I'm picking a hero that's going to be counterpicked uh, or has the opportunity to be counterpicked, I always try to give myself an option if I do get counterpicked. So for example, when I'm playing offlane, I'll pick like Centaur who can cut the wave. Mm-hmm. I'll pick Earthshaker who can fissure the wave. Um, or my hero will be really good against their supports, the other heroes that they've already picked. So I know that I can kind of have a good game by picking on those heroes a little bit if I have to. Right. You just want to give yourself as many options as possible. And that's why I really like Lena over Puck. Because worst case scenario, Lena can just push the wave, stun the person who's going to own you in the mid lane, and then go run to the jungle. Even like a Broodmother or Meepo, Lena can kind of deal with if you're good enough at it because she has an AoE stun. She has AoE uh, creep clear. Lena's like, Lena's like the best. That's, that's, that's what that hero is picked for in the mid lane. Um, Ember is another really good one, Void Spirit. Yep. Because these heroes can recover by just being really active and ganking and being high skill so it just it just depends on what you're on what you're comfortable with storm is also okay as well where you just need to play for the right timing if you get countered and know know that you basically are in like recovery mode you're just in like you know try try not to 
feed the guy who's who's picking the last pick cancer bullshit and you're you're probably gonna win the game yeah i actually don't hate i was gonna say i don't hate invoker but i guess you could just get brooded and game's over at that point i don't hate uh, i don't hate invoker too much either i feel like the fact that you have these two different different builds you can do on him makes him good decent mm-hmm. yeah but basically what you're looking at is just heroes that have the ability to not play the lane and jungle their way back into the game or heroes that have sort of like a a different timing that isn't really that reliant on them having a good game where like right they can just kind of get xp in the lane and then own the other lanes like ember spirit or pango or something like that yep yeah i agree yeah yep basically heroes that aren't dependent on on just winning the lane or heroes that can just win the lane no matter what okay bradley dragon this will be good uh, I feel like Razor is not a good mid, to be honest. I've tried it a lot. Unless you're super good at diving their tower and not dying, you better off. You would be better off safe or offline. Okay, he's just he's just telling Eleanor that Razor's a shitty mid, which I disagree with. I think Razor's a fine mid. Uh, RX Cowbell, what do you do as a support when you find yourself in a constant warding and dewarding battle against the enemy support? All right, Donnie, take it away. Um. I mean, that's kind of your job as a support <laughs> is to be in a warding battle against the enemy supports. If uh, if what you mean, I, I'm going to interpret this how I think you mean it, which is that you place a ward on the high ground, it gets dewarded. They place a ward on the high ground, you deward that. You place a ward back on that high ground, they deward it. And the answer there is stop warding the same spot. Be creative with your wards. Use a smoke to place a ward somewhere that they won't expect it. Um. It's fine to solo smoke. Place multiple wards. Put a ward that covers an area. Put another ward that also kind of covers that area. Let them deward one. There's a second one there that's going to cover it anyway. You can totally uh, get like next level with your warding. And just, like I said, just be creative. I, I really don't think that you should ever be in this spot where you're like constantly being dewarded in the same spot over and over. That should never happen in a game unless you're just being extremely lazy. Yeah, I would say I would say my best advice to you is ward in less common areas. There's actually a lot of really good ward spots on the map, more than people think. Like, it's it, the the problem is everybody tries to put wards in like a square within the actual full square of the map. Nobody really places wards in the side lanes for whatever reason because a lot of people are greedy with their wards. They'll place all of these jungle wards where you can place one sentry and deward like an entire jungle mm-hmm. and that that's what people do so i would say like place wards directly in the river place wards uh in in lanes place wards on like in the enemy team's high ground just giving you like a sliver of vision you, you just need to place the more the more creative wards and th- those ones like never get dewarded yep never yep. Uh, especially if you have to use like a quelling blade in order to to set up the ward or to like give the ward good vision, then then those will just 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 got to be creative with the wards, and, and they're not going to get dewarded. I don't even think you need to look for warding positions. I think that's, I think uh, you know we're obviously guilty of this as as, as content creators because a lot of what we do is is trying to chase the algorithm and try, trying to chase views and, and, and what people want. Um, but I personally think like a warding guide doesn't make any sense. I, I think that I think that it's so game dependent based on what's happening. It's yeah, it's 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 game dependent based on what's happening. Um, it's also it's also like there aren't common deward spots. It's just people are placing sentries that are dewarding the largest area of the jungle in its circles. So they're trying to get them to not intersect that much. So they're not wasting sentry space. So because of that, there are warding spots, but it's not like these are the spots that you have to ward because it's it's broken or something like that. It just happens that's how people are placing their sentries. And uh, yeah, I, I th- do want to say, sorry to interrupt. But no, I, no problem. I, I was watching an AUI stream a couple of weeks ago, and he was like extremely self-critical about his rate of D wards. He's like, I I bought like. 18 centuries and only got like four D wards and he was all pissed about that. He's like, that rate is very low uh, or something like that. So if you really want to, you know, take your warding to the next level, be critical of, of how many D wards you're getting with these centuries. Don't just, you know, throw away 75 gold constantly as a support. Every little bit matters and you want to make it count. 
it's a lot based on like where would the enemy team have had time to go yep based on their positioning yep could they have gone this deep into my jungle no we would have seen them okay well now you have this area that you know the wards enemy wards are going to be restricted to so just take that area and try to place the sentries like it's a puzzle there to deward that entire area and that, that's why i said it's like different depending on the game because the area that the enemy team has entered into and the area that they're looking to control and so forth that all depends entirely on the game it's not like this person's like oh i'm gonna go place a ward in this ward spot here or this d ward spot here it's like they get as deep as they can in a 7k game you just have supports getting as deep as they can with the smoke or whatever with whatever thing that they can use and placing the ward in the best place that they can put it to get the most vision without getting dewarded so there's these constant sacrifices that people are making on one side of the spectrum or the other where either they're getting no vision or the vision because it's only a sliver of vision but it's deep vision or it's not deep enough vision but it's this huge area you know there there's sacrifices that and it, it's a it's like a moving target essentially yep and uh, it's a, a lot of it is is just instinct and and um I, I would say keep it simple with with warding it's like if people are dewarding your stuff on high grounds stop putting it on high grounds it's as simple as that put it in put it in the river put it on the ground put it in lanes yep Agreed. okay uh let's see uga chaka says i have noticed recently that it's quite easy to end up getting more than 20 and 30 mmr per match oh good we're going to talk about this although that is only supposed to happen to smurfs i find that when this happens to me quite often if i go on a win streak uh with consistently good stats even though it is nice to get plus 90 mmr from a single match do you think it is healthy to uh, game game this in terms of MMR inflation. Do you think that MMR inflation matters, or is it just a way for Valve to trick players into thinking they're improving? Um, okay. I think their Smurf detection system is just broken because it's new. I, I think if somebody is going to gain 90 MMR for a match because the Smurf detection thinks that they're a Smurf and that they're not, you will at some point lose that. It will eventually. It will eventually even out. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say they turn Smurf detection off. Would you still be at that MMR? I I I doubt it, unless you actually improved. But you know, just because you added ninety to an arbitrary number doesn't mean your skill got three times better because of that. Because of that win, it do doesn't. That doesn't make sense. And the Smurf detection system was just added to the game yep so there is absolutely no way that this is already a flawless system that is just thinking you're a smurf because you're so good that you must be a smurf and i'm not referring to specifically you because i know this is happening to, to other people i know this is happening to henry henry's been been uh getting that on stream where he he gets plus 120 mmr for a single match so i know this is like a this is like a problem right now and um some people have the attitude that it, it's it's detecting them as the Smurf because they're good and not because it's broken. When in my opinion, it's very unlikely that a brand new system is just is just broken. You know? Yeah, I mean, I've for a while I've kind of wanted them to come up with a system that allows you to climb a little bit faster than like one game at a time. Let's say you have some big breakthrough, maybe you master some hero, and suddenly you go on like a fifteen twenty game winning streak. Like that's cool. I I feel like maybe that is worth more than just like the the MMR that you'd normally get. You know, thirty times twenty or whatever. Sure. But at the same time, I can see a lot of ways that it, that's not it Smurf detection, though. Right. What right. I agree. I agree with what you said, but that's not detecting a Smurf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, a I'm Smurf just... is a specific thing, you know. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Well, I, I, I do. I... I do agree. I do agree, though. I totally agree. I think. I think it's. I think. I having, wish there was more movement in the MMR system. Having like, smarter matchmaking, yeah. having smarter MMR increase. Yes, I totally agree with that. But that has to be a separate system to the Smurf detection yes. because the Smurf detection is not about that person's MMR. Nobody gives a fuck about Smurfs. Smurfs can go fuck themselves, to be yeah. quite frank. It's about the people whose games the Smurfs are ruining, yeah. not the Smurfs' MMR. Yeah. So this all the Smurf detection needs to do is get these people the hell out of games that they're ruining. Yep. That's what that's supposed to do. But I totally agree that uh, there there could be a lot more a, a lot more um, com complexity when it comes to you know assuming like a perfect system. Let's say it's like some AI operated thing 
where it's it's like learning as as games as games happen and giving people these kind of like seemingly arbitrary amounts based on these random um measurements of of success within a game maybe you lose you don't lose as much because it can detect that the game's not as on you that would be cool right obviously very complicated but that would that would be really cool and uh, i don't right. know maybe maybe someday i'm also just kind of thinking like okay so let's say you get to like 6.5 km or something like that and then the meta shifts or you just like stop playing a lot and then you come back and you have like a constant 43 percent win rate like that's not very good. You're gonna go down, but you're not gonna go down that fast in the current system. And so instead of um, rapidly going to your actual skill level, you're going to basically just like be able to kind of sit in this MMR range that you've probably been at for a while, but still just constantly losing games. And I feel like that should maybe be something that is improved to some extent, but. Again, it's it, it's hard because like where do, where hard, do you draw yeah. the line? As... Exactly. That's why that's why I just like I I like um. There's so many ways that you can that you can that you can complicate things, and sometimes I find it's just better to go with like the simplest option and let you know, in terms of MMR, like let the number of games that somebody's playing work it out eventually. Like, for for you know for example like. Sure, there's Smurfs, there's boosters, there's all of this bullshit. But if I'm an 8K player and I play enough games, I will get 8K. Mm-hmm. That's that's the bottom line. If my teammates are idiots every game, but I'm a good player, I just play enough and I'm and I'm gonna get 8K. Yep. Unless there's some other shit in the system that's giving people plus 120 or giving me minus 120. When there are inconsistencies in the system, then that might not be true. Right. You know, that's 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 the only problem with that. I I really like it simple. I liked I want to go back to the simple matchmaking. I preferred that. I I want to go back to the simple MMR. I'm glad they removed so I I'm glad they removed solo and party. I'm glad they removed core and support. Uh, and support. I yep. I really like this simplification of of the game. I like that there's one leaderboard now. I like that I can look at a supports MMR, a supports rank and they were ranked 20 as a support. And now all of a sudden I look and they're rank 120, and it's like, well, okay, you had this infl- this cool looking number in front of your in front of your name for a long but time. It was but fake. It, it was fake. It's just because th- <laughs> there weren't there all the core players weren't calibrating support, and all the support players were calibrating core. So it, how could you judge the number? The, the support 20 looks the same as the core 20. Right. Uh, but now, now it's the same. It's sim- It's simplified. We can actually judge our our numbers versus each other. And you could you couldn't do that before in, in High Immortal. So I, I, I that that's what I prefer. Anyway, um, let's let's move on. Okay. Snowy says, "What is the most underrated item to use while in Pangolier's Rolling Thunder?" Very specific. The classic items like Yules allow for some stun lock, but don't allow you to secure hitting them in the first place. Blink can be canceled by backliners like Sniper. Could force staff be viable? <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows you to get on top of enemies unexpectedly, and you can... How does it even work when you're rolling? Does it just make you force in the rolling... Probably. Uh, angle, yeah. wherever you're... So, yada yada. Uh, 10 intelligence helps with mana problems. Thoughts also... Spider legs and flicker can be used during rolling thunder for the memes. Spider legs is actually really good during Rolling Thunder because you. Can Does it just, make it so that you can roll through cliffs? You just, yeah, and you just stuff? roll over cliffs, and then you don't have to worry about bouncing off of stuff. So, that's pretty cool. I actually think that spider legs is quite good on Pangolier. Let me let me look at let me look at the items because I don't. I I'm guilty of not playing that much Pango. I probably should play more. Remember when what you were items? on your you were on your Pangolier, uh, extravaganza, and you were trying to. You're trying to learn I did, Pangolier. I did get much better at Pango from that. I, I can actually play Pango now, despite not playing that much of it. Um, okay, so it basically just makes you dash forward in ball form if you use Force Staff. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I would still say that, that Blink is probably the best, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, obviously diff- Diffusal is one of the more common ones. You can diffuse somebody and... It's easy setup for the role, and then obviously it, it combos with the Q ability as well. 
I guess uh, you could also Abyssal Abyssal Blade, because you can blink, oh, yeah. blink to somebody with the Abyssal Blade and then stun them with the ball or something. Although it seems yeah, kind, you, of, kind of doubling up on it, so I don't know. Yeah, it is, because technically a blink, you would stun them with the ball anyway. Right. And it's like the Abyssal stuns, but the ball stuns at the same time, too, so. Right. It does It does seem like a little bit of a, a waste. No, I, th I think that hero's been pretty figured out. I, I hate to say it, but there are so many Pangolier spammers out there Yeah. that people are People are pretty uh, aware of what the of what the strong items are. Like the you know the clumsy net obviously is is a good neutral item if you can get it. Spider legs as we as we talked about flicker. That's kind of rolling the dice there with that one. But fallen sky. If you can pick up fallen sky once again, that's doubling up on the same thing. But that's yeah. that's still that's still gonna be that's still gonna be fine. Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I'll, I'll tell you. I, I feel like the four staff thing is. I is mean. kind of re is reaching it it's yeah. like it's trying to be too if you're like a position four pango then four staff is just a good item in general and i, I wouldn't say it's good because it does anything with your rolling thunder though yeah it's just like it's if it's good it's because it's it's just a good item yeah basically. i would agree okay pogasis says your replay reviews have been really helpful recently that's really good to hear it's nice to get feedback on that because I, I have no idea usually. I don't know about you, Donnie. Um, yeah. I've gained 500 MMR in the last three weeks. That's insane. It's uh, hard to hear the critiques about my worst games without showing off some moves in my best games, but it makes me focus on a couple of new things every week. That's really good to hear. Currently holding 80% win rate over the last 35 matches, so thanks for the tough love, fellas. That is fucking amazing to hear, dude. That is insane. Uh, what are your plans to handle demand as replay review starts getting more popular? Oh, this is, this is a good question. It's one of my uh, favorite pieces of alchemy content. I always look forward to it even before I joined Patreon. Well, appreciate that. Um, yeah, we've had to think about this a lot where we still don't really have a good solution. Uh, we might have to do a second day. Like if we were to somehow, you know, get another like hundred replay review patrons or something like that. We would probably have to just start adding days of replay review because there's no way that we are, we're going to go back to doing like five or six hour streams. No, that's that's not that's not. Um, I don't think that's particularly good for our our mental health, and I also don't think that's good for the actual value that we're that we're giving to people. I think at yep. the at the end at the end of like two to three hours, it's really easy to start uh, to start just being tired because you're you're talking constantly for two hours straight and you know covering the similar subjects so you can't think of a different way to uh to reword this the same thing for for somebody else who you know obviously somebody might be just watching their part of the replay review so that that's always the thing for me is like somebody might be w just watching to see like what we said about theirs so they maybe didn't see what we said about earlier people but then there are people who are also watching for the entire duration and they want to hear something different so it's like you try to give like a different lesson or reword it in a way that it's it's like a little different or give some other value. It's a weird thing, but I, I think probably what we're going to do is just do as many as we can on the day and then do whoever we can. Uh, and then anybody who missed it, we'll do them first on the, on the very next one. That's, that's basically, I think what we, so, so basically we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to everybody like at least once probably per two weeks and if i don't know if we get like a shitload more patrons might be like once per month but yeah i mean that's that's what the patreon goal says is you get one a month but we just do more because why not because we know. can <laughs> at yeah. the moment yeah i mean figure it's i mean from like a business point of view it's pretty pretty reasonable i think to want to keep your 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 people happy it's it's like if if, if we can if we can just do it for an hour longer and get people a couple of times per month and people feel like they get more value that that makes me feel a lot better even though it's um you know technically it's like we said we said one per per month but it's it's like it's no big deal um okay uh uga chaka says when playing mika meepo for god's sakes he's fucking me up with his name uh, is it better to farm the jungle plus lane yourself while also letting the enemy mid get farm or is it better to only farm the wave and let the enemy mid get minimal farm? For example, I played a game where I had 122 CS at 10 minutes. I don't even know if that's good. Enemy morph at 69. Should I have sacrificed my farm in order to get some denies? I would say no. 
uh, I would I would definitely yeah. say no. Like this this hero, he's a tiny has... hero that needs to get specific items as quickly as possible. I totally agree. Right, I I totally agree. I think you're playing for that like ethereal blade timing, and you're playing for three meepos, and you just get to that as soon as possible. It's their job to stop you. It's not it's not it's not your job to stop them them. And I I think that timing is so strong that they can't. It would be different if somebody picked something. They could actually beat that timing, but there isn't anything. Alchemist yep. doesn't. Broodmother doesn't. Um, n- none of these. None of these heroes will outfarm a Meepo. So no, you 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 just farm. Yeah, I mean, I think even then, you probably still don't want to spend a bunch of time like making your game worse to deny them farm. I I think that's always just like not a good option when you are playing a hero that is a game winning hero. I think the whole point of picking a game winning hero is that you have the best game possible as quickly. It's as your possible. team's job to stop that yes. guy from farming, not yes. yours. Yes. You're the you're the win condition. Just just be the win condition. Exactly. Okay, Hockey Leaner says Jenkins in a recent BSJ replay review, he mentioned that playing with Universe in a pub and he uh say, he said that he never felt so carried by an offlaner. How does that make you feel? Well, that makes me feel pretty funny because BSJ is an offlaner, so <laughs> I guess he never carries himself, which is shocking. Uh, and then number two, Universe is probably my favorite player, so I, I, you know, he's a golden god. And, he's also uh, a position I, four player now, so I, I accept that. Yeah, that's true. But he's just a golden god. He's just so consistent, so good. Um, Ti winner. What can I say? He's a fucking genius. Okay, Stain Chip says on carry heroes that can't really jungle well. How do you approach farming your first big item like Battle Fury when the enemy team has kill potential on you in all of the lanes in the early game? I understand that this is often a drafting issue. I agree, mm-hmm. but in some games, my team won't pick supports early in the draft, so I'll end up picking uh, and getting countered in lanes. This has been a big issue for me lately and i would love some advice on this i will lose 200 fucking gold before i get countered in lane yeah every every time and i have no issues i have no issues with this i would rather have less regen and send out an extra salve than to have my entire game go horrendously because i you know i didn't um I, I I picked my I picked my hero and they they countered me. Like there are yeah. certain games you just can't play. You can't play anti mage versus Mebo. That is an unplayable matchup. Yep. There's there's tons of unplayable matchups. If you're a carry and you can't farm in any lane and you have no way of jungling, I have no idea what you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no idea. You need to have like three heroes protecting you in a lane while you farm. But then you're fucked if you do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you can also just like call your supports and go fight mid as four or something like that. Try and take their tower and suddenly the map's more wide open and the other team has to do other shit. But yeah, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head by saying it's a drafting issue and probably just uh, don't draft <laughs> heroes that are easily countered. I would say, farm. I would say the, the fix is to change your mentality on losing gold. If your if your supports are dumb and they're not picking support, either you pick a support early and you swap them, or you lose gold and then they'll pick a support eventually. The amount of people that I've seen hovering over disruptor for the entire draft, and then it gets the fifth pick and they just pick <laughs> disruptor into heroes that it's not good against. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? How are you at this rating? How are you here? When you're doing that, you would literally be playing a Sumail winning TI with OG if you didn't do this. Because that's how bad it is. Is These are literally TI caliber players, and they're in, like, legend because they're doing this dumb shit. <laughs> so y- you can't let your team do that. You can't let your team get away with that. You just got to make them lose gold, and people are greedy. So I, I played I played an unranked the other day on a, on a smurf. I played, I played an, an unranked um, with... Some of my, I'm trying to get another immortal smurf that I can use, use to practice on. So it was still a high rated game. It's still like an immortal game. Um, and this guy, I had this guy on my team, and he's like, I, I said, like, hey, can you can you pick carry? They picked the off lane and they picked the four roll, so you know what you're laning against. And they said, he said, no, I'm not doing that. Right. And course. then I and then I and then I said, we'll see about that. 
and I just watched the gold tick down, and I knew he came first in the list. So he was going to random before me because that's how it works. <laughs> it was left to right. And he picked. He eventually picked. In the game, with it, it went fine for him because he saw what he was laning against. He saw like four to five of the heroes on the enemy team. It was it was a, a totally – but I, I didn't want this guy to ruin, to ruin the draft like that because I knew that I could get this counter pick. I knew that he was just picking this hero that, that was going to be fine anyway. It's like it, it, you get so much more out of the draft if you're actually abusing, abusing these counters if, if you can. Yeah, I will say that if you are a, a core role and you clearly see the other team's counterpart to your role, just pick. Like, who cares? That That's fine. Like, there's a reason that pro teams are, are willing to draft a carry in the first two because they are probably picking it with a strategy in mind or they're picking it against a hero that's already showing. Um. You know, especially if if you are like Jenkins is saying, if you can see the off lane and and the four roll, and you're the carry, you should probably pick because you're gonna have a fine game and you're gonna give your teams an even better game because they can also then counter pick the heroes. I want to say this in regards to somebody said I was shitting on Smurfs before, and then I just said that I I played on a Smurf. This Smurf is like seven k, so it's not really it's, a Smurf. It's the ex it's the exact same rating as as well. It's like 300 MMR less than my main, but you know it's it's in the exa it's in the exact same bracket. It's it's more so. Um, but how many also, games I, did you ruin to get there, Jenkins? How many of, bad none. people did you stomp on your way? None of none at all. It li it literally <laughs> it's not even in ranked. So so it's just it's just unranked, which is has has very little matchmaking associated with it. And I do want to say I know this is an excuse, but I do want to say that. The only reason that I'm smurfing that that I have that I have a smurf for a, a second to to play in a second account is because if you queue at like 3 a.m., which I often do, uh, you can you cannot get games without other smurfs. So I'm I'm literally only reserving that for the period where I want to play, and there's only smurfs and boosters out. So I don't I don't just lose MMR in my main for 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 that. But if 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 smurfing was like illegal, you know, you get the death sentence. Well, that's not fair. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I, I would not give a shit if they said, you know, no, no smurfing, like smurfing is a bannable offense. Like, thank God, you know, I wish, I wish, I wish everybody wouldn't, but it's like the, the whole, you know, cycle of abuse issue where it's like, I'm getting smurfed on. So I feel like if I don't smurf, I'm going to lose a shitload of MMR just to take this moral high ground on my main. But my desire to get 8k MMR is so much higher than my desire to stand on a moral high ground and say, well, you're all smurfing. But I'm not, right. you know, when I'm talking about sh these asshole Smurfs, I mean, people that are playing in legend as an immortal and stomping with Meepo mid, like, right. fuck those people. They're, they're rooting games for new players, but the, the like second account people that are playing in their same bracket, that's who, like a great, that's like a, it's like a gray area still probably bad, but, um, that would be solved by taking away the, the legend Smurfs and the boosters and so forth. Yep. In my opinion. Maybe it's just all a fucking excuse. Who knows? Um, okay. So let's see. Uh, party. I was watching Sindarin play Axe, and he was building Phase Vanguard Dagger. I was wondering if position one Axe with this item and talents could be good in your, in your opinion. I was thinking about treads into, uh, into Vanguard, into Yasha, into Manta if you have space, or Abyssal if you need to fight. The other... Um, is BKB into Assault Cuirass. At level 10, you would take the 40 attack speed, of course, 30 movement speed, uh, proccing counter helix on auto attacks talent. As for small stat items, I would decide between Wraith Bands, not a fan of that, uh, Bracers, or Gloves of Haste. I was thinking about it, and probably will never try it myself, but the Flash Farm with the capability of the Axe Manta seems so good, and with the Abyssal, the attack speed seems so good. Maybe some carry player will try it if they think it's any good. Um... I think it sounds like not a carry. Axe just he just doesn't do enough damage. Like even if you think about the counter helix proccing attacks, it's just adding 160 damage to your attack. That's not even that much in the grand scheme of things for uh, a carry. Every every like five or six hits it'll do that. Right. So it actually a level twenty talent increases your DPS by like forty, which is not very much, right? Um I will say 
I have played this style of axe before. Like when the talents first came out, I was experimenting with it and I was going like, I think I was doing uh phase into like S and Y blink Mjolnir or something like that. And it was pretty fun. It worked pretty well against illusion heroes. And I think I even won a couple games with it against normal heroes. I don't think it's a carry. I don't think the hero should ever be played as a carry. And uh, that's just kind of my thoughts on it. I would just say, if you go into a lobby, so Party was saying the uh, Manta damage, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, when you pick up a Manta, and let me level up here, when you level up, I'm assuming you get the counter helix attacks proc on the illusions. And that's where I'm assuming people think that the damage comes from. But I would say, go into a lobby, give a Terror Blade or an Anti-Mage or a Chaos Knight the same amount of net worth that you're yeah. giving an Axe. There you go. And it will 5x the damage. I, I assure you. Let me see. Does it work? God, he is not, he is not spinning. Oh, yeah, it, it does work. But it's, it's, not, it's not that much. It's really not that much DPS. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that Manta is probably low-key an underrated item on the hero just because I do think that anytime I get Illusion Rune on Axe, I'm like, oh, this is amazing because you can just farm, like, seven creep waves. So you can definitely accelerate your farm with Manta on Axe, but what does it actually do, right? What does it actually do? Not a whole lot. Maybe there's some some, like... Some credence well, to doing like a I don't know like a bots manta blink <laughs> kind of thing where you can set set up for yourself by like throwing manta illusions down a lane and then like coming in behind them with a blink dagger to catch people responding to it I don't know. Well, the difference with an illusion rune in a manta is manta costs 125 mana on an 891 at level 25 mana True that. hero, and also illusion runes last 75 seconds. And Manta lasts 20 seconds. Yep. How in God's name are you going to... The reason the Illusion Rune is so good is because you can send two Illusions to cut two waves. Yep. You are, your Mantas will get halfway down a lane and they'll despawn. You're not going to be able to cut a wave with... You're, you can cut one wave with Manta if you're adjacent in the jungle yep. to it. So this that that's, that's my problem with it. But, I mean, like Donnie said, I feel like anybody who's played Axe has experienced the glory that is getting an Illusion Room, and then you always have that inkling feeling in the back of your head. Man, I wish this was permanent. Like, I wish I had an <laughs> item that could do this. Right. But to me, a Manta style just doesn't cut it. it you yeah. wish it did, but it doesn't. An Illusionist Cape, that's a different story. Oh, that thing's pretty yeah. cool. Hell yeah. That thing's pretty goddamn cool. But a Manta style, no, no way. Um, and the problem with Axe, too, is that in my opinion, he he does he, every. He's not strong enough to be a carry. He doesn't do enough damage to be a carry. And as an offlaner, all the items that you need, you can farm without an, a manta style. You don't need to accelerate your farm to get a blink dagger, to get a crimson guard, to get a blade melt, to get a BKB. These are relatively small items. You're not building into bloodthorn, Scotties, these huge items. There's a lot of small ones, right? So you don't need to accelerate your farm that much anyway. So I'm a huge axe fan. And I, I've had this. I've had the exact same I idea. I like big axe also. But I've, I've, I've. Did I just miss it? What, what is that? You just said you liked huge axe. You're, you're a huge axe fan. I'm. Also I'm a huge, huge axe fan. I'm also, are you an? I'm also. Are you an axe or axe or titty or axe or titties kind of man? Definitely axe. What, 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 what about both? Because, because axe has big pecs. I mean, right, anyway, I'll take whatever I can get. So. <laughs> At this point, yeah. Uh, this, this, yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Um, but I wish, I wish it worked. So let's see. Let's, let's move on. Uh, okay. Putsy McCoy says, question. When is a niche item pickup actually good, a good decision to deal with a specific win condition in a specific game? And how do you identify whether you are overthinking it? For example, is diffusal an accept, acceptable item choice in PA? When they have a Dusa on the enemy team, yes, I think so. It seems easy to overthink it and harm your own carry potential. I, I would say where people are most prone to overthinking it uh, is that is 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 when you have other heroes that already deal with the problem at hand. Yeah, 
you know, if you have other heroes that are building mana burn, you, you maybe you have an invoker, maybe you have uh, an OD. Well, I guess he doesn't really, I don't know. I'm just saying maybe there are other heroes that can deal with the Medusa or there's a better way to beat the Medusa by just saying, okay, we're going to get a Deso on PA and to end early before Medusa is strong. That's, that's all fine. That's usually when people are, are overthinking it. But I, I would not see a diffusal pickup on a PA against um, a Dusa and think that that's overthinking. I, I feel like that's a, that's a fine choice. It's already like very close to being a good item on PA. It's unfortunate you don't get the crit from like that bonus damage that comes from the, the mana burn. It doesn't obviously not affected by the crit, but it's still one of the best agi damage items in Dota. So yeah. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I I completely agree. I I really think that the big the big issue that people tend to have is that they um they're trying to do too many jobs at once with their hero. Just like figure out what your job is on the hero. And there's definitely games where having certain items are super good. Like one of my favorite examples is I back when like Radiance Bloodseeker was the way to go, I was going into um S and Y like S and Y radiance was my build. And then I would split into the Manta. And then in a lot of games, if I was against like a drow or an OD or something like that, I'd build a halberd on Bloodseeker, which is like not a normal item on that hero, but it fits so well. Cause you want to just run in and you want to be able to just stop damage coming at you. And so I think in, in that sense, like it's, it can be really, really good to pick up these niche items if it's not like a, a traditional one, but if it's like you said, doing a redundant job, probably avoid it uh, i would say you know ideally if you have a pa you probably want somebody else to to do some dealing with the medusa and you're probably better off just trying to like beat the medusa through timing but if you go late and you have to yeah you can, you can get a defusal but yeah anyway depends depends on the situation i i i agree with what donnie said um anyway grand garden says Hello, can we talk about infused raindrops? Who should buy it and when? I rarely see it these days, neither in my pubs or in pro games. Could also just me be being ignorant. People buy raindrops. Mm -hmm. um, raindrops are fine. I would say raindrops are good when the enemy team is like very heavily reliant on some sort of magic burst to, to kill you. And if, if a raindrop can make it so that they... A lot of the time you can buy a raindrop and it's the difference between the enemy team being able to kill you and being able to not kill you. Yep. Like if, if there's like a Lena on the enemy team, for example, that Lena can't kill you if you have a raindrop a lot of the time. If you have like a raindrop plus some tanky items, she can't kill you solo. It just eliminates that opportunity. So that's like one less bad thing that can happen to you in that Dota game. And uh, obviously you eliminate the most amount of bad things in a, in a game. Nothing bad happens, you win the game. So uh, yeah, like Tiny, it's good against Tiny too. This hero, this hero just like bursts people in one hit. So if you survive, uh, if, if you take one less tick of Avalanche, it, you, you'll survive a lot of the time, and then he can't he catch he can't hit you more than once. So right. a lot of the time, raindrop will keep you alive. That, that's how I see a raindrop. Is I'll, I'll go like depending on on the game, I'll go like bracer raindrop or like bracer bracer raindrop, and it's like it just makes me unkillable. Um, if if that's not possible, then I just say fuck it and get bigger items and just try not to die in in other ways, you know. But a lot of the time, you can just build these like small tanky items, including a raindrop, and and the enemy team just can't kill you. Yeah, in the early game, I, I should say. The only times it's it's not good is if you're against something like a Zeus who has just like a lower cooldown and like can get rid of your raindrop in a matter of seconds. But if you're against somebody that uses spells pretty regularly and you're getting hit by them pretty regularly, even something like a Legion Commander, if you're having to play in the creep wave and he's overwhelming oddsing you, it can yeah, be a Legion a Legion a lot of the time can't kill you from full HP if you just have a raindrop. Right. Because they need they need that overwhelming odds damage to get you from full to zero. Yeah. And and to be quite frank, there's no other item in the game that gives you, what, like 720 health for 225 gold, effectively? That's super high value. It's right nice, now. yeah. It's unfortunate it doesn't build into to earn anymore, obviously. But yeah, whatever. that was nice. <laughs> uh, can we talk about the new MMR system that was released today? Uh, what What that might mean? So... We already did a video about it. I would say check that out for our initial thoughts. But my thoughts in terms of what has what has changed since then, uh, for me, I'm I'm Nothing. playing the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm playing the same matchmaking. I do really like 
that they've consolidated the medals to just be one. I think it was really confusing having two. Mm-hmm. You would, like I said at the start of the podcast, you would have supports that were ranked 20 that would have less MMR than rank 100 cores. And that just didn't make any sense to me. I, I don't feel like you should... It's it's very hard for people to formulate an idea of what a rank 20 really means when it, on a support scale, it means less than being rank 80 or 100 or whatever on a core. It's, it, that's just weird. I don't feel like there should be a difference in terms of judging somebody's skill based on on their their rank. Uh, I like I like the new interface. I really do with like the ranked f- uh, find match button and it shows your rank there now you can hover over it you see your little your little triangle for what you're good at like i really like this in terms of uh, quality of life mm-hmm. and uh, I, I do feel like this was what role queue was supposed to be at, at the start is something that's like refined like this and perhaps a little bit complicated but also kind of fun that you have these different places in the octagon and, and levels to which you can play each each role um yeah i agree i, uh, I, I like i like where it's at i'm i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this me too um it is a little bit confusing sometimes, like as somebody who is playing roll queue and like I'll have, you know, I'll queue into one game and I'm this MMR, queue into another game, this is my metal, queue into another game, this is my metal. But at the same time, I, I understand what they're doing with it, where it's like they're basically How big is the difference, by the way? Like how much are you getting in terms of like your metal dropping or increasing or whatever? Oh, every game is worth thirty. So there, it's not like it scales how much you win or lose. No, no, I mean, I mean your 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 rank. How much is your how much is your rank changing depending on like what role you're queuing for in the game? Like you said, it shows up as being a different rank, a yeah, different yeah. metal. Um, I haven't queued all five, so I don't know what I am for offlane or mid. But my range currently is anywhere from divine one to ancient three. So wow, that's yeah, pretty big. Uh, it is a pretty big difference but then again there was like an 800 difference between my core and support mmr going into it so yeah that um, might that might account for a lot of it yeah i'm not entirely sure uh with regards to that like my mid is probably like like 2700 <laughs> or something like that i have you no idea both, dude so me both I'll, I'll have to queue for a mid just to find out what my actual metal is there i wonder if it actually would let me be like a legend mid or something like that because that's probably what i am just because i never fucking play it my, my mid hero sweet. pool is literally zeus and dk and that's it <laughs> although let, let me say going going back to going back to what we talked about at the start of the podcast in terms of if if matchmaking had more i, I guess complicated mmr rewarding and, and stuff based on like Okay, basically what I'm saying is I think that because you're a Divine player, even if you started out as a Legend mid, after like five games, you would be a Divine mid. You know, if you if you really practice and try to study it. Right, yeah, yeah, because totally. Because you're, you're, just, you're just relearning the same lessons for that role. Yep. Whereas for like a Legend player, they have to learn those lessons from, from you know, the, from, from the ground. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, th- so I, I do think that like that would be abusable if you could go play Legend mid because I think very quickly you could become a divine mid, maybe not exactly divine divine three or whatever your current rank is, because I feel like at when you get to the when you get to ninety percent of the way there, it gets way harder to get that last ten percent. But you could definitely get ninety percent there pretty goddamn quickly. Right. You know, a lot of people a lot of people start a business, they sell it, and then very quickly from scratch, you know, they have another they have another business that's getting investors, and it, it's just you know just, Elon right. Musk with PayPal, for example. It's not like he forgot first. how to do business because yes, he sold, exactly, right, exactly. Yeah. You don't you don't really start from scratch. Right. It's the same reason why, uh, you know, somebody will make a smurf and it's not like they're suddenly a 2K player because that's what the account is. Like, they're still a 7K player because they do all the things that 7K players do. Yeah. And so that's the main difference. Yep. Uh, Okay. So, uh, Emo says, thanks to all evil alchemists, I am beginning to get better. Uh, to you, Evil Alchemist, that's us, uh, better at seeing the whole game as I'm in it, but I'm still mostly blind. We're all blind when it comes to Dota. I'm having trouble hitting my pull and stack timings, but I feel like this is fixed through repetition. Yes. yes. I, so so Emo's only played 600 games. Yeah. So Emo's pretty pretty new to Dota. And, and it's funny because if, if you're playing a lot of other games, it'd be like, dude, that's a lot of hours. But in Dota, it's like your baby. Right. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> that's nothing. So now, in order to widen the blinders further, I'd like to ask, how the hell can I tell if my teammates are doing a good job? 
I see you both clicking different parts of the map to check up on your team, but if you spend less than a split second, I can't figure out what info you're getting in that time. What am I looking for? Okay, I can tell you. So what I often look at is I'll see what items people have mm -hmm. compared to the person that they're laning against just to see like what you know how they're farming. I will look to see what level they are compared to the guy that, that they're up against. So if there's like a level six mid versus a level eight mid, the level eight mid is dumpstering them and probably needs to get ganked. Um, I'm, I'm clicking to see if people have TPs. I'm clicking to see what spell, what spells they have, what item, you know, what items they're going for. But, but for the most part, I would say to check up on your team to see how they're doing. One of the most solid indicators is just level. Yeah, that's that's like the easiest easiest babby one I've, I've had that question before and it, it is an interesting question it's like james why do you spam open the scoreboard it's like, i'm checking people's levels i'm uh, that, that's how that's how i can tell the general status of the of the game and, you know i i have an idea from having played like ten thousand dota matches or whatever ridiculous number it is uh how a ta should be doing at like 12 minutes i have a pretty good idea you know so if i see a ta that's like insanely over leveled for that timing by opening this the scoreboard it's like well okay that guy's good that guy's dumpstering i need to go like make a move on that person quickly and that's that's a lot of the time how i decide um how to make my movements around the map yeah um i also just generally try and keep an eye on item progression for my own teammates because as you know in pubs communication is often not very good and you don't want to build two vlads you don't want to build two urns that kind of stuff so sometimes you need to just do the work of them not telling you and, and figure out that kind of stuff uh i also like to just keep an eye on like HP monopools, that kind of stuff. Is this person going to be in trouble soon? Are they going to be able to get a kill soon if I go there? And um, that sort of stuff can also be really helpful as far as like informing where you should go on the map with your movements in the next minute or two. Yep. Uh, Emo also says, thanks to you guys. I hear the cores that I'm supporting saying how good it feels to get big quick. That's very good. I'm also getting complimented on warding. That's also very good. Uh, two thumbs up. Keep up the great work. Work. Uh, thank you. You as well. Uh, Uga Chaka is back, and he says, "Crazy idea warning." So anybody who doesn't want to hear some bullshit, close your ears right now. <laughs> Click away. Go to a speed uh, Fortnite video. You, if you want to hear some some crisp, clean uh, learning. Uh, the new lore from Void Spirit says he how he came into the real world to prepare uh, the world for what's coming, something big. Plus, there have been rumors about Valve increasing their team size for Dota recently. Maybe Valve will release patch 8.00 after TI 20. What TI are we on right now? TI 20. I think he means TI 20. I think he probably... Oh, okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Maybe. That'd be cool. See, my, my theory for the Are there rumors that... Are, are are there rumors that Valve is increasing their team size for Dota? I, I really hope that's true. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I haven't heard anything or, or read anything, but that would be cool. I agree. Uh, I feel like they probably have to if they're going to be running a league. So maybe so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have this crazy theory that Valve is eventually going to just, like, because of the amount of work they put into the like the AR and the, the VR in terms of their company and the amount of work that they've put into creating showcase mode in Dota. Like, no other game has showcase mode, where it's, like, it's an entire different camera set that is, like, really well executed. Like, you can go okay. to showcase mode, and everything looks amazing. I am 100% sold. At some point, they're going to create a universe in the Dota universe, and you're going to be able to, like, play in VR in, like, the map, in the actual map. Uh, as your heroes it could be like 20 years from now in like some weird okay. mmo version of dota i'm gonna fuck knows? up your theory here i'm gonna destroy <laughs> your theory dota 2 was built using the source 2 engine so that engine would already have these camera settings and showcase mode in the actual engine itself and that's why they put it in because it's easy because it was already in the engine because they made other games with that that were first person so <laughs> your okay. whole theory is based on a, a, a bad premise. I'm sorry. And I, I, but it would be easy for them to do it because they have that capability. For Midas mode, we had, we, we had a, a, you know, 
a VR Roshan pit that you could be. It looked like you were Rosh. It right. really did. That's so cool. it's not like it's outside of their capabilities by the very same engine that they used that made it easy to do the showcase mode in the first place. But it's not like they went into Dota and they had to like fully program showcase mode. At least, yeah. Not whatever. From... Next question. Shut the. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just ruined your little conspiracy. Uh, okay. Uh, so, Vinceptor says, "Hey, I've been playing a lot of PA recently. I was wondering if you had any advice when it comes to choosing which luxury item to go for first after your core items. Mainly choosing between Abyssal, Satanic, Scotty, Ag, etc." What should be taken into consideration when making this decision? Also, good job on the streams lately, Donnie. Thanks. Um, man. So game specific. Like, <laughs> I feel like you need to submit a replay ID with this question. Here, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Satanic against uh, people that you need status resistance against. This, this is like Bloodseekers. These BKB piercing things that like a bkb is not enough for it that's satanic or I uh, guess... it's, also, it's also like a second bkb so yeah. if you need another life get a satanic sometimes you don't sometimes one life is enough um abyssal probably should be your default broken item yep scotty probably much not. less much less so than satanic and abyssal yeah. eggs is like a seventh item yeah, unless you're gonna go for the timing where you can get rapier ages rapier and, eggs, and oh an eggs yeah no that that timing is real but like it is a legit timing yeah it's a very specific game that you're going to be able to pull it off in yeah i would i would just say you know abyssal most of the time uh and then satanic usually comes after abyssal uh and just satanic first if all you need to do is survive that's that's about it i had Fuck a billionaire i had a oh, pa sorry. the other day who went chrysalis instead of bkb we did not win that game this crystallis <laughs> obsession it's getting insane it's actually getting insane yeah uh Hockey says i've been playing a lot of aa and although trying him in both support roles i feel he now must be strictly played as a position five since he has literally no farming ability plus no gold talent uh even though he falls behind on levels and he deals an incredible amount of damage as well as participate in every fight just due to the global ultimate would you agree with this do you have any tips on ways to increase farm? Thoughts on maybe Midas first or second item? Uh, as somebody who's played a lot of AA, I mean, just play it as a five. Like, why play it anywhere else? I, I think the only other place you could potentially play it is as a mid against, you know, like a last pick alchemist uh, or something. Or or alchemist, Alc, yeah. yeah. And as far as farming faster, I mean, just use your ice blast. Like, you, you drop a little vortex in the middle of the creep wave, you ice blast the creeps, wave gone. Too bad that feels like garbage, because then you can't fight for 45 seconds. Uh, you you could also consider going for, if you're playing this if you're playing this hero anywhere else than a 5, go Mjolnir. You amp the damage like crazy with your ice vortexes, and it helps you farm. I do gotta say, I feel like A is a pretty garbage hero right now. I, I don't know, it doesn't... It doesn't feel that useful. Maybe I'm maybe I'm underestimating it because I haven't seen it in a lot of pubs, but I I kind of like when there's like an AA or a CM against me, and they're like, "Oh, but it's my favorite pause five. It's like, "All right, I'm just gonna eat you. That's fine." Yeah, I like mean, I eat I eat a lich too, but he's just got this thing bouncing around doing 600 damage per hit to me, and he makes some guy immortal. So yeah, you know, I at least think... he's got that. I would kind of say that Snapfire has made A slightly irrelevant because it used to be like AA Void was nasty, but now it's just like if you can have a Snapfire Void, you would take that over AA Void every single day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take Snapfire over a lot of heroes in Dota. Yep. Hockeyliner, once again, says, can you discuss the silly ways to mess around and get an advantage in the offlane and describe which ones are best and in which situations you would use each one? Some examples. Pull the hard cap, push the first wave, pulling the second wave behind the tier one, uh, doubling the wave behind tower, solo creep cutting. Dude, you just mentioned all of them. That's all of them. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let me think. Uh, okay, well, uh, you can solo cut the wave. Uh, I guess you know, it depends whether you're behind the tier one or the tier two. If you're behind the tier one, 
if the carry can't fuck with you. You're behind the tier two if the carry can come over and fuck with you. And then at that point, you know, who cares if they do it at the tier at the tier three because it's so far away. That's really the only difference is like where are you going to go with the wave? Um, dragging the wave is if you can't kill it and you just want the equilibrium in front of your tower. Uh, doubling the wave is if you want the equilibrium in front of your tower and you want to give somebody a lot of solo XP, but you're going to die by dragging. Uh, that's that's basically, that's all I can think for creep manipulation. Uh, pushing and pulling is what you do if the enemy team is like weaker at pushing than you. Uh, and that's like pu like punishably so. You know, if, if it's about the same and you try to do that and then they just outpush the wave and you out... Like if you try to do that against a Bloodseeker and they're smart, he's just going to use his... his uh, blood right on the wave and it's going to push back into you and it, you're, you're not going to be able to get the pull off because he can come over and contest so it's like w when you know that they either can't contest the pull or when they can't out push you and therefore they can't contest the pull then you push pull and that and, and that's perfect that's perfectly fine it just depends on the situation and i think a lot of people lose games some games because they draft something they can do none of these and then they're just in a losing lane and it's like well what do i do jenkins nothing fuck all you lose like <laughs> yeah. you pick better heroes that's 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 the bottom line. Like the best heroes are the ones that can do a lot of these things, and uh, that that's why they're good because you always have options. So yep. that that's that, that's it. You you mentioned all of them. Uh, I haven't discovered any personally, and I you know I've been playing a lot. I've been watching a lot of replays. I haven't seen anybody do anything new in terms of creep manipulation. If they did, I would certainly make a video about it. So because that sort of shit gets me all hot and bothered. Uh, so I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> Eleanor says comment. I forgot to add to the end of my question. I love you both so much, and thanks uh, for the help in climbing, especially you, Jenkins. Ah, oh, specific shout-out to me, Donnie. Hear that? Psychological thinks you speak. Granted me 900-plus MMR. I'm Divine 3 mid now. Nice job. Nice. Good, good. Uh, I, I, I like the psychological stuff a lot. Those love... videos don't get very many views, but... <laughs> I love how that used to be like my main contribution to Dota Alchemy was the psychological stuff. And yeah. now you're you're seen as the Dota psychologist. And I'm just I'm Hey just, man. I'm just the guy just, who sits here and listens to you talk about it. It's just a competition in here. You just gotta do better psychology than me. That's it. That's, that's all. That's true. I should probably do better psychology on myself, so I stop being a waste of space. Yeah, okay. God, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> man, Eleanor, look what you've done. Like oh you've done to Donnie. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, dude, it's it's. Uh, I wish those videos got more views. Actually, the psychology videos because they're they're the most they're the most fun. I feel like they're the most applicable to like other other stuff in life, not just video games. Yeah, agreed. We talk about it a lot, even even off uh, off camera. I think that's like most of our talks are like, man, I woke up today and I wanted to fucking kill myself. And then I did this and I felt like I wanted to be alive. And it's like, oh shit, Donnie, I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start <laughs> masturbating five times a day. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. I think we should definitely, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if that uh, psychologist dude would come on our show. That'd be really cool. I'd be, I mean, I've, I've watched a bunch of his shit, so I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan. That would be that would be really cool. I'll have to I'll have to hit him up on Twitter or something like that and be like, listen, we've got a lot of people who like the psychological uh, psych psychological psychological side of competitive gaming. We've made many many videos and people are asking for more. Would you want to come uh, do a Q and A with us? I guess there's like the imposter syndrome of like I feel like we're not big or important enough to yeah to be on that. But I think he's I think he's had people on there that are that have less viewership i suppose um which is like the metric the metric at which is it which is causing me to feel insecure so i i don't even think he's the type of guy that would care about viewership uh, you know he's just interested in doing like game psychology but agreed it's it's what makes me feel insecure so i'm gonna stick with it it's like oh yeah gork on there gork is so cool we're not we're nowhere near as big or cool as gork if you don't ask the answer is always no that is true that's very true Probably the best thing that, that that we've done as a business is reaching out to like orgs to say like, hey, we can make videos for you. Yep. You would be surprised how many of them responded. And <laughs> I we, was surprised. We, we did we did some video work for some for some a few a few orgs now. So it's yeah, it's it's true. You don't expect it, but it, it happens. 
Is that all the Patreon questions? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I should have said. That's all right. Um, all right. Well, I think we'll probably call it there, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, as we said, we are introducing a new Patreon benefit. If you are a patron supporter of any level, we're going to be doing a monthly stream exclusively for you guys. Um, I don't know, probably like midway or, or late in the month, something like that. Uh, but it'll be a regular monthly stream where you guys get to pick our duo lane combo and which heroes we play. Jenkins and I will play together. We'll stream it to you and you guys can laugh at us and make us play ridiculous stuff or great stuff or try out combos that you've always wanted to try out, but you don't have any friends to play with. Uh, luckily, Jenkins and I have each other. And that's about all. It's a very, very special uh, bond and situation that we have. So thanks as always to our Patreon supporters and thank you to chat for tuning in. We love you guys. This has been Alchemy Answers episode 69. Sex position. Out.